0: kissed gabriel's wife said she must be perished alive and asked whether gabriel was with her here i am as right as the mail, aunt kate go on up i'll follow called out gabriel from the dark he continued scraping his feet vigorously while the three women went upstairs laughing to the ladies dressing room a light fringe of snow lay like a cape on the shoulders of his overcoat and like toe caps on the toes of his galoshes and as the buttons of his overcoat slipped with a squeaking noise through the snow's stiffened frieze, a cold, fragrant air from out of doors escaped from crevices and folds. Is it snowing again, Mr. Conroy? asked Lily. She had preceded him into the pantry to help him off with his overcoat. Gabriel smiled at the three syllables she had given his surname and glanced at her. She was a slim, growing girl, pale in complexion, with hay-coloured hair the gas in the pantry made her look still paler. Gabriel had known her when she was a child and used to sit on the lowest step nursing a rag doll. Yes, Lily, he answered, and I think we're in for a night of it. He looked up at the pantry ceiling, which was shaking with the stamping and shuffling of feet on the floor above, listened for a moment to the piano and then glanced at the girl who was folding his overcoat carefully at the end of a shelf. Tell me, Lily... "'he said in a friendly tone. "'Do you still go to school?' "'Oh, no, sir,' she answered. "'I'm done schooling this year and more.' "'Oh, then,' said Gabriel gaily, "'I suppose we'll be going to your wedding "'one of these fine days with your young man, eh?' "'The girl glanced back at him over her shoulder "'and said with great bitterness, "'The men that is now is only all palaver "'and what they can get out of you.' "'Gabriel coloured as if he felt he had made a mistake, and without looking at her, kicked off his galoshes and flicked actively with his muffler at his patent leather shoes. He was a stout, tallish young man. The high colour of his cheeks pushed upwards even to his forehead, where it scattered itself in a few formless patches of pale red, and on his hairless face, there scintillated restlessly, the polished lenses and the bright gilt rims of the glasses which screened his delicate and restless eyes. His glossy black hair was parted in the middle and brushed in a long curve behind his ears, where it curled slightly beneath the groove left by his hat. When he had flicked luster into his shoes, he stood up and pulled his waistcoat down more tightly on his plump body. Then he took a coin rapidly from his pocket. Oh, Lily, he said, thrusting it into her hands. It's Christmas time, isn't it? Just, here's a little... He walked rapidly towards the door. Oh, no, sir, cried the girl, following him. Really, sir, I wouldn't take it. Christmas time, Christmas time, said Gabriel, almost trotting to the stairs and waving his hand to her in deprecation. The girl, seeing that he had gained the stairs, called out after him. Well, thank you, sir. He waited outside the drawing-room door until the waltz should finish, listening to the skirts that swept against it, and to the shuffling of feet. He was still discomposed by the girl's bitter and sudden retort. It had cast a gloom over him, which he tried to dispel by arranging his cuffs and the bows of his tie. He then took from his waistcoat pocket, a little paper, and glanced at the headings he had made for his speech. He was undecided about the lines from Robert Browning, for he feared they would be above the heads of his hearers some quotation that they would recognise from Shakespeare or from the melodies would be better. The indelicate clacking of the men's heels and the shuffling of their souls reminded him that their grade of culture differed from his. He would only make himself ridiculous by quoting poetry to them which they could not understand. They would think he was airing his superior education. He would fail with them just as he had failed with the girl in the pantry. He had taken up a wrong tone. His whole speech was a mistake from first to last, an utter failure. Just then, his aunts and his wife came out of the ladies' dressing room. His aunts were two small, plainly-dressed old women. Aunt Julia was an inch or so the taller. Her hair, drawn low over the top of her ears, was grey, and grey also, with darker shadows, was her large, flaccid face. Though she was stout in build and stood erect, Her slow eyes and parted lips gave her the appearance of a woman who did not know where she was or where she was going. Aunt Kate was more vivacious.